Welcome to Don't Forget the Small Stuff, the podcast that celebrates the overlooked and forgotten little moments in films. I'm Jess and with me today is Jess. Hello. (laughs) Hello again. Uh, Yeah, just to keep things easy for everyone, two hosts, both called Jess. Uh, Before we get into the pod, uh, I should say that you can find us online at smallstuffcast.com. We are at smallstuffcast on Twitter, also known as X. Instagram and Facebook and you can contact us using email at smallstuffcast.com and our music is by Skeleton King. You can find more of Skeleton King's work by following the link in the show notes. Right, Jess. So we will not be celebrating the overlooked and forgotten little moments in films quite so much today because Andy is not with us so we won't do a full regular Small Stuff episode. We will do a little bit of bonus content like we did with Chris a few weeks ago, we'll um, we'll go through your top 10 films. I'm excited. I've been asking every single person I know for their top 10 in preparation for this. So I'm uh, ready. In, in what sense? Like to to um, know what to avoid or to know what the popular choices out there are or what? I think partially because as soon as my brain started engaging with the question of what are my top 10, mm. I then wanted to know every single other person's top 10. There is something for me... I mean, I'm sure some people might just actually have zero interest, but for me, I can listen to people's top 10 favourite films just all day, every day. So right. this, this is quite good, really. We are on the correct <laughs> podcast. Good. <laughs> I know you were slightly worried about doing this list in the first place and then putting it in order. Yeah. How did you find that? Actually, surprisingly, well, I was saying I was saying to you, wasn't I, Jesse, before this started, that I'm sure if you were to ask me the same question in a week's time... A bit like Chris was saying before, that yeah. there is a solid eight on there, or a solid, let's say five, that would mm-hmm. be there a lot. Yeah. But the rest just changes. But I think that's to be expected. Um, I found it easier than I thought it might. Mm. I, mm. I think it's the prospect of it is perhaps more difficult than the reality of it. Yeah. Did you make a long list? Is that how you did no, it? No, I just, I knew, I, I honestly wrote them in about, but I did lots of asking people, quite, I did lots mm. of, I was probably, before I wrote down the list, I probably had... 10 different conversations with 10 different people asking and then responding and telling them mine. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of verbally doing that right, research. Right, right. Yeah. All right. Okay. So I'm quite excited to to dive in, but I think you actually I think it'd be quite a good nice thing to do before we go into your top 10 is to quickly go through my top 10. Yes. And you can perhaps respond if you want to to I'll just any stay of those. deadly silent the entire yeah, time. <laughs> that's fine. That will be will be delightfully awkward. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go 10 to 1. Um, and we'll do the same when we go through your list as well. Okay. We will spend more time on your list because every, everybody, the people who have listened to the previous episode will have heard mine already, and Chris and I talk too much probably about that. So my number 10 is Field of Dreams. Which I have nothing to add because I've never watched it, and I have zero con- I have zero context of what it's about, what it is, except from the fact that I listened to the podcast and yeah. then I heard you mentioning about and Chris was like have you ever been and I was like to where the field of dreams mm. like yeah <laughs> well yes is literally. it a real place so uh it is uh, the field of dreams is a obviously a fictional tale but it is about um, a man who has a farm in Iowa and is told by a voice to build a baseball field so it sounds a bit and like Noah's Ark but it uh, yeah okay it kind a little of bit is. more personal than than like a global um, <laughs> saving of uh, nature, but yeah. He's heard he, a, a voice from above tells mm. him to build something. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it goes without saying. It's in, it's my number ten. I love it, but I think it's about baseball. Yeah, but it's not really about baseball. It's, it's always and, the way of sport films, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's normally a, a kind of crushing metaphor for mm-hmm. staying strong and resilience. I think you'd probably like it. Yeah. It gets me every time. Like I can't watch it without welling up and like probably crying like four or five times during it. It's it's pretty amazing. Uh, this is you have you've not you don't know much about Field of Dreams. I guarantee you know no almost nothing about my number nine, which is thirteen days. Just the Cuban Missile Crisis. Okay, well. you do know something. No, about no, it. I don't know. I only know it because again because of the podcast. Okay, but um, <laughs> yeah, again, I remember actually learning about the Cuban Missile Crisis mm-hmm. and thinking it was really entertaining. 
entertaining interesting entertaining <laughs> at wrong the time word. i don't think it was <laughs> entertaining. entertaining my brain just said did you just yeah. say entertaining out loud no interesting because i just had no awareness of it actually happening do you know yeah. when you learn something for the first time about mm. history and yeah, you think yeah. i cannot believe that actually happened that was why i found it so interesting like wow that's crazy um it- but I have no idea about the film. Well, it's what I said to Chris about how that for the people who lived through the Cuban Missile Crisis, it was it was everything. Yeah. At the time, because it was okay. So this is the end of the world. Then this it, is how everybody dies. Yeah. Um. It's it's really ludicrous. Like, yeah. I remember learning about it and just being. I can't believe this isn't a fictional thing. Mm. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I yeah. It goes without saying again. Thirteen Days is is a movie I love. <laughs> Uh, so uh, my number eight is Zero Dark Thirty. Um, watched it a long time ago. I have to admit, it did not stay with me. Um, That's fine. I, I anticipate that your top ten and my top ten will have very little overlap. I Yeah, it would be interesting to see if there was... Yeah. No, there will be nothing. No. I'm pretty I, sure. There, I think there nearly would have been, but I didn't, it didn't make my okay. top ten. So yeah, Zero Dark Thirty, it's, you know, it's procedural and it's about finding Osama Bin Laden and I love it. It but, gets the job done. Yeah. It, but, you know, in a top ten kind of way. Yeah, in a top yeah, ten yeah. kind of way. Uh, number seven is Jaws. Oh, a classic. Do you know what? Mm. Not on my top ten, but mm. on my kind of... If on top 20, probably. Okay. I love Jaws. And All I love... Right, we've, we've talked about this before. I love that this... the um, Is he the... He's not the mayor. He's the... Um, the chief of police. The chief of police. Mm. His fear of um, swimming is somehow <laughs> somehow the encounter with the massive human-eating shark is what fixes his fear yeah, face, face your fear <laughs> the number six is la confidential i haven't watched it but i want to okay well mm-hmm. it's how can i put this it's maybe the best film no no it's not the best film on this it's probably the second best film on my list but as number six yeah but there's a difference between best and how much you enjoy it that's right? true you know? it's true um so yeah, it's it's an absolute mammothy mammoth mammothly. It's a mammoth of a film, and I, yeah, thoroughly recommend it. Like, it's probably the film that I, it's probably the film that I recommend the most on my list. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. interesting. Number interesting fi- uh, kind of subsection of most recommended within the top ten. <laughs> <That's a good> <laughs> point. Uh, number five is The Godfather. I don't think I need to say is much it, about that. Yeah, great film. Isn't um, is is The Godfather? Actually, I don't want to say any spoilers for any people who actually haven't watched it. Yeah, but also if you haven't watched it, what the hell? I only watched it about a few years back. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, number four is Heat. Yeah, and I haven't watched it. What's going on with this top ten? I'm going to have to just take it and just... Yeah, so yeah. Uh, Heat is Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. You've heard of them. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who? <laughs> Val Kilmer. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Batman. Um, yeah. <laughs> one, one Batman. Yeah. Uh, and it's a crime again. It's quite procedural, and I think there there is a pattern on my list of um, people doing their jobs. Yeah, interesting yeah. because I've got a, definitely got a theme of mine, and mm. I didn't realise until I had the top ten, thinking, "Wow, there's a real um, there is a there is a overarching theme mm. to my top ten. So, yeah. so he is um, a master criminal and a master detective, sort of going against each other. But it's more than that. It's yeah. uh, three kings is my number three. Oh my gosh, I symmetry. I, Again, have not watched. Uh, George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg, you've heard of them? Yeah, I have heard of them, but again, haven't watched. What's the plot? Uh, it's uh, set in the um, first Iraq war, uh, and uh, it is three, actually, in and it's actually four um, US military personnel decide to steal the cash of Saddam Hussein's gold. There's quite a lot of the theme also seems to be people doing their job really well, yeah. like people who are really good at cool things. <laughs> uh, number two is Bridge on the River Kwai. I haven't watched it. Yeah, you okay? There's an education. Yeah, I just need point. to just take this top but, ten. But I anticipate that that's going to be the case with your top ten. There's yeah, this is interesting. Bridge on the River Kwai is from the fifties, uh, directed by David Lean, who also directed um, Lawrence of Arabia. Who you've probably you've probably heard of Lawrence of Arabia. Yes, yes, okay, yes, yeah. I have. Uh, it's about uh, British prisoners of war in um, Burma having to build a bridge for the Japanese. Yes, and, I have heard of this film. Yes, yeah. I definitely have heard of yeah. this film. And my number one is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes, fantastic. Directed choice. by Steven Spielberg, starring Harrison Ford. Have yeah. you heard of them? Yes, I, <laughs> I have, and I've even watched that yeah. one. Okay. I mean, that is a fantastic choice. Mm. It is a classic for all the... Why is it your favourite? I have very, like, 
positive emotional feelings about it because I watched it when I was young. I watched it with my mum. But beyond that, I think it's probably the the best action film made. Yeah. But it's also an adventure. I love Indy. I love the other characters in it. And I like films set in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've got at least one, maybe two others on my list that are sort of So if it's procedural, procedural and in the desert, then yeah. you're on for a real winner. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, it, that's, I mean, yeah. That is a, it's, it. a, it's a good, I mean, I say it's a good list. I have no idea if it's a good list except from number one. Trust me, Jess, it's a great list. Okay, well, I'll go, I'll listen. I'll, it's the best list. The best? Well, the definitive top ten of mm-hmm. all time. <laughs> No, don't please, listeners, do not write it. In, You've heard it here first. Definitive to top ten best of all yeah. time. We won't go. We won't go through Chris's top ten. Uh, but perhaps next time we're on, if we're ever on a pod, the mm. two of us and Chris, maybe we could talk about it then. That might be quite fun. Do an overlap. Well, I did like. Um, I did know his uh, number ten, Good yeah. Will Hunting, yeah. and I have to say again, really close to potentially being on my top ten. Um, yeah, I anticipate that. If there was going to be overlap with one of us, it might have been Chris's list for you. But um, yeah, well, he's an English teacher, right? Did yeah. I see it here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. As soon as he th- said that, I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I want to know what's top ten. I was, <laughs> and why? <laughs> All right. So shall we? Do you want to do yours now? Yeah. Okay. So okay. So let's start with your number ten. Your, the num- your 10th favorite film of all time. Oh, actually, you know what? No, no, no. Let's let's sorry to tease everybody. What criteria did you use to make this list? Like, what was your? How did you pick it? I think it really was just the. Well, I think we all have, we all look for different things in a film. We all we all kind of get to the end of the film and think that was good for different reasons. But I think for me, for something to end up in in my top ten, it has to make me feel something. It has to be. It has to be a point where I was like, "Wow, that really really hit me in the feels." Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Basically, um, so. I mean, obviously, there is the the good writing i think i'm such a sucker for for writing mm-hmm. um but actually the theme of this list and i'm going to sound like a real um either people will be nodding their head like yeah okay I, I agree or they'll be like wow you sound like a real idiot but <laughs> i realized that i think the the common thing here is when a film does something that a piece of writing couldn't do okay nice um there is and I remember used to, I used to be really fascinated with the whole, like the whole context of the barriers of language in the sense that you have a certain amount of words to try and express how you feel, but it's always never going to, you're never going to really do the job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like these films. They seem to not necessarily need language to make their point. Okay. That's interesting. So, so all right, well, we'll, yeah. I'm going to hold that thought for a minute, but let's go. So number 10. Number 10 is On Chesil Beach. So it's a film of um, a film version of Ian McEwan's book. And the reason I love this film is because I think it has the best acting in it. I've the best three seconds of acting mm. I've ever seen. It's right. It's the last three seconds of the film, okay. like the very last three seconds. I, I do enjoy the rest of the film, but the reason this is on the top 10 is purely for the last three seconds wow. of the film. Gosh. Yeah. Okay, so are you for for me and maybe some other listeners that don't know on Chesil Beach? Are you able to kind of you know, obviously don't spoil it, but can you give it like a summary? I I'm almost tempted to. I'm going to give a really, really, really vague summary because mm-hmm. it's not a super complicated film. It's more one topic done really well. Okay. So if I said one line, it would say, but mm. it is essentially a conversation and a life a difficult conversation between a couple um after their wedding night if i remember correctly and the exploration of the topic that is it arises in wow. i don't want to go more than that because okay. it it just would ruin it so is it uh so it's british film presumably chesil beach is is in britain yeah i think yeah. it is a british film yeah. and Amy cumin as well yeah. i mean i'm not 100% sure mm. um and what's in, and i actually saw the guy who was in is in um on Chesil Beach in a play. Yeah. And I mean he's great, but I think there is just something specific about the culmination of that film in the last three seconds, which is just jaw dropping. Well and like you said, you know, it, it got you in the feels. Yeah, it truly yeah. did. Okay. Truly did. Okay, good. 
How about number nine? It's Paddington. <laughs> <laughs> and I stand by that so firmly. <laughs> I wasn't expecting Paddington. <laughs> Have you watched Paddington? Yes. And it's amazing, right? Yes. I just think it's universally acknowledged as a like a massively enjoyable and endearing film. Yeah, in, uh, all of those things. Yeah. Endear- endearing, enjoyable. Um, it's beautiful. Delightful. The yeah. Yeah. It's it's just so. It's just so enjoyable. It's funny. Yeah. Like properly funny. Yeah, properly funny is the mm. like the bit. Um, the animation in it, like the the house, how they make London look. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just. But there's that bit where, the the um. They have the painting on the staircase of the the, the tree, tree yeah. and then the trees fall down, and just the animation of things like that is beautiful. It's so heartwarming. It's just it's like warm soup, you know. It's just and the, lovely. The family dynamic is amazing because yeah. of the how emotional the mum is and how um, detached the kids are for a bit, and then you know Paddington brings them all in together, and yeah, yeah. and it almost has this kind of feeling that. You could watch it in Christmas and be like, what a great Christmas film or what a great Easter film. It just it, it is exactly what you need it to be at any moment. It's the it's the room of requiring. <laughs> it really is because you can either watch it and need to kind of feel emotional. You can watch mm. it and just want funny. It's just yeah. amazing. Great pick. Yeah. And I actually, was not expecting it. In, do you know there was the recent um, Incredibly Talented, the Nick Cave. Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Nick Cage, mm. <laughs> Nick Cage film. Um what is it? The unbearable weight of something in talent? Yeah. I can't remember. There's it, a yeah. line in there where he says that his favourite film of all time is Paddington. Oh well, it's good <laughs> enough for that. Good enough for Nick Cage. <laughs> yeah. All right. Great. Good. Good choice. Uh, number eight. It's After Sun. After After Sun. The recent film of Paul Mescal, Mr. Paul Mescal, beautiful Paul Mescal. I, I you're going to have to educate me because I I know nothing about this or him. You've you've skipped the Paul Mescal. Uh, Phenomena. Apparently. Wow. So he came I'm quite to... old. Well, no, he said, have you heard of Normal People? It was a TV show probably a few years back now. Okay. It was... So... Well, no, because it was quite popular, but Paul Mescal was the main guy in it. Mm. And he... The internet went crazy for this one scene where he is wearing a chain. Okay. And a Connell's chain, which is the name. <laughs> trying mm. to explain this is just crazy. <laughs> Keep going. Um, it's great listening. Like this chain <laughs> got... Um, his own Instagram page. Uh, it absolute wonders. Most of the guy friends that I have after watching that show, I know every single one of them now owns a chain. No. And they wouldn't, they would no. never say, they would never say that it was because of normal people with a gun to their head. They would not give Paul Mescal credit. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty weird timing. Well, they do. They know now. <laughs> they know what you think of them now. <laughs> it's time they owned up to it. So, is, no, but it's not. Is, so, After Sun, though, just to yeah, go back. Yeah. After Sun is with Paul Mescal in it. It was released last year. It is a really, really um, emotional and beautiful film about the isolation of, of being a young father um, and and also the relationship of the daughter with the dad. They go on a holiday and a lot of the film footage is like a, a, a handheld camcorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's this daughter, the the woman, the woman of today looking back at her childhood family, mm-hmm. her childhood holiday and seeing it through new eyes and realizing that her dad wasn't mentally unwell during those times. Oh, right. um, but he was really trying at mm-hmm. the same time. And it's just really beautiful. It has a great end scene. Um, and this Paul chap, is, yeah. he's the dad. He's the dad. Okay. Yeah. And so his role in it is in flashback? Well, the most of the film is flashback. Okay. Um, and they have a great... It's like end- Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> there is water. There is water. Um, but the, as well, the end scene has got... This is just the amazing use of um, Under Pressure. Like the lyrics right. in that is just okay. amazing. It's just mm. really, really... Well, that's two films where the end scene is quite crucial to you. Yeah, and it is. Okay. Because I think I know so many films where I just feel like the writer got to the end and was like... How do I end this? God knows how I'm going to do yeah. this. Mm. You know, not there's a film at Game of Thrones, i.e. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Where yeah. they were just like, well, God knows what to do now. Like he, he hasn't finished it. So yeah. no wonder the TV people couldn't finish it properly. Wow. No, I feel like maybe you should... You definitely would appreciate um, uh, Bridge on the River Kwai then, because... That's got a pretty kick-ass ending. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I would. Of okay. all the ones that you said, I feel like that Spoilers. was the one that... It's all right. You're just telling me it's good, so yeah. it's fine. I can deal with that. Okay, After Sun. Great. 
Also a British film, I'm guessing, or is he? Is he not? I don't know this poor guy. I'm not. I can't remember. Is I'm it not mezcal? Sure. The same as that. Same as that stuff we drank the other night. That absolutely I... vile stuff. <laughs> when you woke up saying you felt like you'd been poisoned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's um, the magic of his last name. So, um, uh, I'm, I will have to show you uh, at one point a photo of Paul Mescal though, because he's probably. I look forward to it. Yeah, I'll do it. All right. You're number seven. I know that you like number seven. Well, it's Into the Spider Verse, the Spider Man. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's just. I mean, why don't you why don't you say why you like it first? Because I'd be interested to hear what you say. This is not my top ten. Um, Go on there. Well, it's like nothing you've ever seen yeah. before. Yeah, it's it's so original and um, original in many ways, mm. right? Obviously, from a visual perspective, it's stunning and original and like nothing anyone's seen before. But also from a kind of a, a storytelling perspective it's tongue-in-cheek but it's heartfelt i mean i know lots of films can do that you know wes anderson made a career making yeah tongue-in-cheek heartfelt quirky <laughs> things but um it is it is somewhat unique in its tone and its approach yeah and, and its humor and its detail yeah you know and like tr- the humor the detail of the humor you know when he throws the bagel at someone and it hits him in the face and the yeah. caption just says bagel <laughs> And to approach a topic, or a, you know, not a topic, but approach the Spider-Man story, which has been done so many times, mm, yeah. um, and it just has the, one of the funniest lines of probably. If someone were to say, "What do you think is the funniest line of any film ever?" is the bit when he's running with the um, the young Spider-Man is running with the <laughs> running with the like computer screen and yes. running with the actual computer, the monitor, yeah, 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 the monitor, and the guy's like, "Well, good news, you don't need this." <laughs> <laughs> It just makes me laugh so much. Um, I love the soundtrack. Uh, I love oh, the, the soundtrack is awesome. Oh, it's just, and there are some times where it could have been cheesy, but it's just so well done. You know, it's really, yeah, I really love it. It is making me want to go home and watch it after we're done with recording. You should. It's yeah. just again, it's it's almost a bit Paddingtony in the sense mm. of it's, um, just well done. Like it's not doing anything remarkable or like totally. Well, no, it is. Some, but you know what I mean. It's not like they're trying to be hard hitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just does what it's trying to do so well. Mm. So yeah. Have you seen the second one? The second one. Yeah. No, Across I didn't. Across the Spider Verse. No, I didn't even okay. know there was a second oh, one. Dear. What? Hmm. It's on my yeah. top ten, and I didn't even know <laughs> what. Uh, it's. I've only seen it once. Yeah. It's the same. You know, it's more of the same. But it's wackier and and slightly more crazy. Good. It's like I liked it. I don't. I don't think I liked it as much as the first. Oh, but, okay. Um, would it Would it make me like the first one less? Because in which case I don't. No, I don't think so. Because okay. the first one is you know it is what it is, right? Yeah. It's, you can't can't. No. But it's, it's like do you know in in Greece for example when they fly away in the car at the end. Mm, yeah. And there's some things that happen in films either in the first one or the second mm, one which almost. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think it will do that. Okay. All right. That's good. Okay. I'm glad to hear. All right. Number six. It is. Uh, number six is Come On, Come On. So it's a black and white A24 film that came out. I can never say his name. It's the guy in Gladiator, someone Phoenix. Can you say the first Joaquin. name? Joaquin. Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Um, it is, again, I think there's a common trait here is a lot of the ones I love are uh, films between kind of complicated films, between, uh, films that are complicated relationships between young children and their caregiver. Mm. And it's just... I keep on using the same word for these films, but it's beautiful. It's about um, the uncle look coming in and looking after um, this young kid. Mm. And side note, young actors have got so much better. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I don't understand how these kids are so good at acting. Mm. Like, how are you age six knowing how to act these emotions? That's interesting. So Chris has a theory, I'm sure it's not his unique theory, but it might be, that actually the quality of a child performance is closely tied and maybe directly linked to the quality of the directing i wouldn't be surprised because well maybe but i'd have to watch a lot of films and then to apply that but this kid actor is just so good and his mum his mum a lot of these films i like it's almost like it's not ruins the plot to say but Mm. it Okay. Because the plot is quite simple, it's not like a long one to explain. Yeah, there are not right, loads less of the impact. At yeah, least. there are not loads of things that happen. Like it's one story mm. um, done beautifully, but essentially, um, the mum and dad have a really difficult relationship. The dad is unwell, and this young kid is just having to bear so much. Mm. And there's this beautiful scene at the end where 
And the reason it's called Come On, Come On is because this kid says, it's just like, come on, and it's just come on, come on. Like this idea that this kid is just having to, it's just never ending. It's this yeah, never yeah. ending need to just come on, come on, like keep going, keep going. Like a treadmill yeah. kind of thing. But it's but it's kind of done decoded in in kids' language of someone saying to him, "Come on," and yeah, okay, and it's hmm. um just yeah, really beautiful. I remember crying like an absolute baby. <laughs> like, come on, it's it's on there because it made me absolutely weep. Yeah. Just the emotional it. response that yeah. is required for yeah. this to be <laughs> for, to appear on your list. Yeah, yeah. All right, great. Number five, please. Number five on different days could be my number one. You know what you said about fields of dreams? Yeah. Fields of Dreams? Fields of, Field of Dreams, Dreams. Yeah. I have tears in my eyes 80% of the film. Oh, it's right. It's in a good way. Okay. It's Klaus, the animated Christmas movie. I, I have a blank look on my face you, and I... You need to no? ditch Spider-Verse and go and watch Klaus when you go okay. home as a Christmas film. Wow, so this could be your number one. It could be. And wow. every single person I know who's watched this has put it on, not expecting great things, mm-hmm. and absolutely fallen in love with okay. it. Um, it is... An animated movie done beautifully with like the most beautiful lighting and and it's the story of a postman who gets sent to this horrible violent town um and yeah that's what I'm gonna say okay yeah and it ends up being Christmassy so wow yeah Klaus so like claws but yeah Klaus yeah with a K or a C with a K okay all right yeah probably probably my most recommended. Okay. To do so, your subsection. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So that's... Okay, that's good. Then we each have homework to do. You'd have to go and watch um, LA Confidential. LA and Confidential. I need to watch Klaus. Yeah, and this is the perfect time for you to do it. Okay. Uh, number four, please. Number four is Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. This is the most like avant-garde <laughs> list. <laughs> Me, Earl, well, and I the Dying Girl. Well, I don't know. Girl. It's got Paddington and uh, <laughs> Getting to the Spider-Verse on there too. Um, me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. Educate me. Go. So the reason I love this as well is because it was one of the last films I ever watched not on a streaming service. I was home alone and I was drinking a Smirnoff Ice. <laughs> <laughs> And I went on Sky, um, went on Sky Movies, yeah. and it was just the first film that happened to be starting at yes. that time. Yeah, and I used to love watching films like that and just discovering films like that. I just watch what happens to be on. Right, what now. happens to yeah. be on, and it has got my as a consequence of watching this film, my most listened to song of of all time every year is Brian Eno, Big Ship. Okay. And I first, I first was introduced to Eno, Brian Eno, yes. because of this film. Mm, so, okay. and my cat's name is now Eno. So you yeah. know how much that's impression. a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. It has. Yeah. I love the film. It's quirky. It's kind of stupid. The I love this type of humor where it's kind of uncool people, but with diehard friendships who are. It's kind of got that coming of age feel to it, but it's really kind of deadpan. And the scene where Brian Eno, the big ship. Um, plays is it like made my heart grow twice the size <laughs> like it just I just remember looking at the screen in awe it's just so but it's quite weird though it's not it's not an emotional tale done how an emotional tale is normally done mm. it's quite a weird story is there anyone in it that I would know um yes the woman who ended up being one of the main people in the Game of Thrones uh, the new Game of Thrones TV show okay yeah yeah but I cannot remember her name. No, oh, fine. Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. Yeah, great film. Is there a Dying Girl? Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's the name I suggest. Yeah. <laughs> the Dying Girl was a metaphor. Mm. <laughs> oh, you never know. With this list, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> okay, the next one you definitely know. Okay, this is number three. Yeah. Go. Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. I've heard of it. Yeah. It's, it's a small film. <laughs> I found it on um, Sky Indie. <laughs> so that's your number three. Yeah. And it's Fellowship. Yeah. Right, without... Are your next two, two, two Towers and no, Return no, of the King? Not. Okay, no. all yeah. right. So this is your favourite Lord of the Rings yes. of the three. Okay, so I, 
talk very briefly about why you love this film so much. And then uh, we'll talk about why you love it more than the others, because I think that's more interesting One, to me. because I was thinking about this morning. So I studied literature at uni and during, with speculative fiction or sci-fi, there's always a scene where, and it's quite funny when you start studying it, you realise it and you see it a lot in films where someone at one point has to explain the universe. Mm-hmm. So it's normally the bad guy. Yeah. He will sit down and be like, ah, so I guess you're wondering why you're here. And Exposition, then, basically. Yeah, and yeah. it's normally like, you know, that's because the audience needs to understand. Yeah. I love that in this, I feel like every time I watch Lord of the Rings, I immediately forget it. <laughs> like I watch it and immediately forget it so that every time I watch it again, it feels like the first time. Wow. Because there is so much that they don't really explain. Mm. Like Arwen and Aragorn's relationship. Mm. Just not really ever fully explained or like the elven magic leaving leaving again not really ever explained so each time you watch it something is clarified and i think it's because that you're so in the thick of this world that would be like me suddenly explaining like in a comedy explaining like oh do you know why the sky is blue or have you you know have you heard of spanish people Mm. like it's just (laughs) like they're not just gonna explain (laughs) why would they explain that world spanish (laughs) Um, but I love that they don't explain yeah. it. Just and it makes it so much more mystical and fantastical because it's just real. Okay, so yeah, we we it's it's a often used phrase when you talk about storytelling and especially films in general. And Andy and I and Chris have talked about it a few times as well. It's like show don't tell. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what you're saying is that there is a lack of exposition in Lord of the Rings. They Does, throw you into the what? Yeah. There is the narrative at the beginning, right? Yeah. But all they do is talk about the yeah. the law. They yeah. talk about the history of this place that you're supposed to understand straight away. Yeah. And, you know, an alliance of men and elves. Yeah. Like, what? And they don't apologise. You no. know, they don't apologise for that. And I think it makes it so much more yeah. fantastical. And, I mean, just the landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, New Zealand, isn't it? Yeah, it's just... <laughs> it's beautiful and it's so just vast. Um, and... Um, just yeah i mean obviously it's just it's just and also the other reason is that just this is going to sound really lame now but dan as in the, the skeleton king yeah um <laughs> yeah oh, his, um, his, uh, his identity is out <laughs> he just loves the film so much so yeah. you know when you've got a friend or someone in your life as well who just loves something so much you end mm. up almost by osmosis just loving yeah loving that so as well so I, I, we've actually spent more time on this probably than the others, but I think it is worth saying, reiterating what you said about how they just throw you into the world mm. and expect you to keep up. Yeah. And you do. Yeah. And it's, films should do that more often, quite frankly. Totally, yeah, yeah. Into the Spider-Verse, for example, it expects you to keep up. Yeah, or Dune, for example, a new yes. one where... Yes, And actually it kind of benefits from... I think films now almost want you to understand everything in the first watch, yeah. whereas Dune, Lord of the Rings probably watch it a few times and it gets better each time yeah. yeah um yeah so now you're going to tell me why you like this one the fellowship of the ring more than the two towers or the return of the king i just love the coming together of everyone i love that the only line that leg <laughs> only line that legolas says to frodo the entire series is in this one film of and my bow um i love the line when boromir says they took the little ones <laughs> um and like the bit when Sam is when Sam's going into the water and he's like, but you can't swim, and he's or like, he's like, when he's, he's like, I'm coming with you. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're, we're all of a sudden an ep- a small stuff episode because you're doing all of the little things. It's that just you love. the little things. It really yeah. isn't so much anything big. It's just there are small moments during the films that I just absolutely love. There's a lot of um, I guess it's the nature of this because they're always moving, but it's. There's fewer set pieces and yeah. a lot of kinetic energy in this, right? Yeah. They, they, they're always moving. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. in the other ones, there's like the battles, which are very kinetic, but in a different mm. way. Yeah. You know, that everyone comes together to this one place yeah. to do this one so very true. vigorous thing. Um, but this one, it doesn't really have that. Yeah. They're always moving on to the next thing and the next thing. Yeah. Um, and it's like coming together. It's always really mm. satisfying. I think it's quite a common kind of film um trope where yeah. all the gang get together yeah. isn't it and it's just satisfying and the shire is beautiful um talking about how much dan loves it every mm. time the theme tune of the shire comes on he cries like we could be in the car and it comes on and he'll cry Aww. he just it just makes his heart so happy yeah yeah that's <laughs> it's so lovely yeah um, so boromir is my favorite character in the lord of the rings I love, and the best 
sorry if you haven't watched it, but again, what are you doing? Yeah. Boromir's death is actually really, mm. it's surprisingly emotional, I feel. Yeah. It's the, the, the coolest moment for me is uh, when it's, it's as Pippin and Merry are about to be taken by mm. the orcs and Boromir runs through the forest yeah. and he like he runs <clears throat> runs past some rock or something and he kind of brushes it with his hands as if he's like speeding up by pushing <laughs> the rock anyway that's a, see these are some yeah. great small stuff things mm-hmm. they're brushing the I rock know. well yeah. maybe one day we'll do lord of the rings um, oh god a mammoth a, task oh my god oh yeah my, yeah actually pro- we probably won't <laughs> we probably won't do it 10 years later you'd have to do like an introduction like mm. they do in um lord of the rings yeah. <laughs> I thought, maybe i could get um kate blanchett to do the voiceover at the beginning Buy me nora <laughs> <laughs> all right excellent number three uh what a film that i have heard of so what's your number two again i'd really be surprised if two and one you are super familiar with mm. number two mm-hmm. it's midsummer so it is the guy that does oh my gosh it's the horror movie um hereditary have you okay. heard of hereditary so I've it's, heard of it, it's the same director um I do have a bit of an explainer for why I like this one. It is a bit longer. Is that okay? Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah. It's your second favourite film. Yeah, so I... It's a horror movie, which is so unlike me because I'm not a big horror movie fan. Mm. But I think this is the most clever depiction of dealing with family members with mental health that I've ever seen in my Mm. entire life. Because the way that it starts... um, This is kind of a spoiler if you haven't watched it, but it starts off with her kind of phoning her boyfriend and saying, I think my sister has done something. I think she's, I think something's happened. And the boyfriend dismisses her. And then it turns out that she goes home and her parents have been killed by her sister, but by gas, by gassing them. Mm. And the death, it looks super peaceful. So they they just look like they're sleeping in bed. Mm. It's, that's what, that is the death. And that's how it starts. And then she goes to this, this place where it's beautiful. It's like cottage core kind of, it's loads of flowers and people start horrifically dying, like gruesomely dying. So falling from... And when I say it's horror, it's kind of more psychological. It's not jump scares. Yeah. Um, and people will die in the most bloody fashion. But she has gone from this place where the real horror is the beginning. Even though they've died in this way that looks really peaceful. Like the horror that she feels in that surrounding where all of her friends are going, it's okay, you're okay, everything's fine. Mm. And she's having all of her feelings dismissed all the time. It's like a constant, her boyfriend's like, you're no, you're overreacting or like everything's fine or like, oh, you know, it's just what it is. And then she goes to this place where when people die, it's visceral. And when she's upset, instead of people going, her boyfriend saying to her, oh, you know, don't worry about it. Or someone saying, don't worry about it. People will put her head, their head together and scream. Mm. And it's like, she goes from a place of beige platitudes to when something is bad, it is rich, bad, and people feel that with her. Yeah. And it ends with her burning her boyfriend in the barn. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's because he... And people say it's like this revenge story because he sleeps with someone else, but mm. it's really not. I think it's because he just represents this kind of lack of understanding. Mm. Um, and it's just so clever. I think it's... he's. I think that... I wish I could remember the director's name. He's He said before that he deals in his interest in horror and psychology is because of his understanding of trauma mm. um and it's just really clever and beautiful wow so mm. i don't think it's a film i will ever watch <laughs> <laughs> I, I horror movies just i can't do it's a, not scary mm. it's not scary and i don't really want to call it horror because it's not really it's more psychological okay um you wouldn't watch it hiding it behind hiding behind your hands at all okay yeah all right florence pew's in it as well who? Florence Pugh. Oh, I, like, the, I like her. Yeah, yeah, I love Florence Pugh. Uh, so that's Midsummer. Is it Summer S U M M E R? No, it so it's Midsummer as an M I D S O M M A R. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Hmm. And she does the best. You know, Florence Pugh does the really kind of upset you, hmm. kind of grumpy face. <laughs> she does that really well. <laughs> uh, okay, so it's da, 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 da. it's the big moment. What is your what's your number one film? Your favorite film of all time? My favorite film of all time mm-hmm. is Submarine. I knew you were going to say Submarine. Do you know Submarine? I know Submarine. Yay! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I am slightly shocked that it is your favorite film of all time. I love coming of age films. Mm. Like I truly adore them. Yeah. I love deadpan humor. 
I love the bit when he's going to lose his virginity (laughs) and she's, you know, I won't swear, but she walks in and sees the blossoms and she's like, you're a effing psycho. (laughs) You're a, you're a killer. And my favorite line of all, one of my favorite lines of all time is I just love his awkwardness. And I love the bit when he runs into his parents' rooms and he's like, I think this will matter when I'm 30. Um, I just, I just love it. I love the soundtrack. Alex Turner doing the um, submarine soundtrack is one of my favorite albums of all time. Mm. I just think it's so kind of whimsical and funny and nostalgic. So it's 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 kind of a lesser known film, I think it's fair to say. I think a lot yeah. of your films on your on the list are not mainstream. Yeah, I mean, actually didn't realize really. So what is it about? I mean, maybe you don't. Like, I guess that's the point. You don't particularly care about hype and marketing and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you just you react to what you react to. Yeah. And, Love it for that reason. And I think it is as well being being blessed. I have a lot of friends who work in the film industry. Mm. So they're constantly being like, oh, watch this or watch this or watch this. Um, but I also think it's the writing angle. Yeah. So I think having worked doing, obviously with them running the magazine and getting film reviews all the time, seeing, having things pointed my way that I wouldn't necessarily have. Mm. So... And I think sometimes the big films, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love it. I love going to the cinema. I wouldn't want to watch one of these really in the cinema. I'd want to watch them. I love watching the, the main kind of blockbuster films in a cinema. Mm. But these are just my, my top ten of all time. Yeah. Is there anything more you want to say about Submarine? Because I have seen it and I enjoyed it. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't have the same response that you did, obviously. So mm-hmm. it was before, but I mean, I, I don't want to sort of gloss over it it's your favorite film of all time so is there anything you want to say about it that you know other than what you've already said i think it's just i know this sounds like a bit of a cop-out but i just enjoy it so immensely hmm. well like, but that's just, what this is all yeah, about that and it's like you were saying about there. there's better films in here hmm. but i just enjoy it so much hmm. i enjoy that character i enjoy the coming of age i like love the romance and i love the i just love the fact that it really encapsulates like how deeply he feels and we can i think as you get older you continue to feel these things deeply and i was thinking about this on the walk to work actually about why i love this i think Mm. when you're younger you're constantly trying new things and firsts you know it's like the first kiss the Mm. first time you do xyz Mm. and then you get older and you do less firsts Mm. um not that you should as well we at work always trying to push people to continue that yeah but it's just this film makes me feel like i'm just all of that awkwardness and joy and excitement that comes with feeling awkward around trying things for you're the first there, time. You're there again to a certain extent. You kind of kind feel it. Kind of, but it's, it's not really nostalgia because I don't watch it thinking, oh, I wish I was mm. however old again. I just I just love that humans experience those things. Mm. Good. Mm. Great, great list, Jess. I mean, I, it's, I feel embarrassed that more than 50% of your list I've not seen. But I and yours, nearly 50% of your list I've not heard of. <laughs> But I think that says more about me and my ignorance rather than your list. You know, I, I, I host or we host a film podcast, but uh, we have never claimed to be film aficionados. Mm. We just enjoy the things we enjoy, yeah. which is what make it for me. It's what making your top ten is about. Yeah. You, you enjoy what you you know you love what you love. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And That's why you go. It from should like... be unapologetic for loving things, right? Yeah. That's why it goes from come on, come on to Paddington. You yeah. know, yeah. exactly, exactly. So. <laughs> You mentioned that there was a common theme in your list. What What's the... For you, what is it? I think the common theme is either kind of the... Um, this is, again, I'm going to sound like such an idiot, but I think the to a certain point, the redundancy of language where you get to a point where, as a human, we feel massive things and we go through things that are really hard to sometimes explain or express how they make you feel. Mm. And I think these films do a really good job of, obviously not necessarily Lord of the Rings. <laughs> well, no, it does in ways, but of trying to sum up really kind of complicated. It's not just sadness. Like Midsummer, for example, isn't just summing up um, fear of death. Mm. It's there's. I think these films all really choose to engage with something that is quite complicated, actually. Um, like how would you mm. go about explaining what it feels like to be not feel seen or heard in the trauma you face? Yeah, it's and almost then... sorry. Go on. No, no. It's just I just think it's really impressive what they do. Yeah. yeah, I think 
art in general that it does this for us doesn't yeah. it you know it it tries to tackle these things that as you've read very eloquently put like language sometimes can't mm. can't handle yeah by helping us and giving us the opportunity to feel things mm. beyond yeah. just the words i think that's exactly why i love these that there is a certain point, you know, as someone who loves writing, who loves reading, but there is a certain point when you've just got to accept that words aren't going to do the job here. Mm. And that's why that last few seconds of One Chesel Beach, I think is amazing because no, I remember once reading some, or watching something that was saying it loves it when a medium does something that another one couldn't do. So if it's an animation doing, using the fact it's an animation to do yeah, something that yeah, film yeah, couldn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think these films will do something that writing couldn't do. I think to a certain extent, that's one of the, things about film that is unique to it as an art form because it mm. inca- it involves so many different art forms yeah you know music writing visuals you know there's so yeah. many aspects to it that and when they all come together yeah like then- when you get those moments like again i think it's like that's the other part the for example miel and the dying girl where you've got that scene with the music you've got the art because when during that scene it's also got in like a like an arty film playing at the same time within mm. the film and mm. it's just all this coming together of beautiful how many times have I said the word beautiful but <laughs> we should have made it a drinking game for, for listeners alright so why don't you tell me some of your have you got some honourable mentions some I have ones that nearly made the list my honourable mentions were Hercules as in the animated TV show uh, not TV show film yeah with Megara who's my ultimate yes. animated crush so um, I, I was looking at one of those lists on the internet the other yeah. day and it was like an underrated uh, animated film and Hercules was one it's of them. It's incredible. Yeah. It's amazing soundtrack. The animation is great. The story is great. Megara mm-hmm. is so slinky. I love mythology anyway. Yeah. I, we always have one since I was mm-hmm. younger. I used to love reading like tales and all that, but mm-hmm. just love it. Um, the other one is Before Sunset, which is like the the romantic film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but actually, I think, I hope I've got this right. There's Before Sunrise and then Before Sunset. So. And Before midnight i've never watched the last one because i almost don't want to because i'm Mm. worried about but because i think the second one is such a good reply to the first okay um and i remember that line of it saying like you you meet people and you think that you're going to have that connection with everyone you meet when you're younger and then Mm. you realize that there are some connections that are rare Mm. and i think that's something that i've learned to be true and there's that line where one of my favorite lines of all time in writing where it's that if there is a god it's in that space between and I thought that was just one of the most beautiful things ever. So that's it? Those are your two honourable mentions or have you got others? As well as Felman and Louise. And then I do, I mean, I don't know what time we have, but I do yeah, we'll also have the TV. Like, it's a bit cheating, but... Yeah, it is a little bit. Yeah. But go on, let's talk about TV for a minute. So Thelma and Louise was also an honourable yeah, mention. Yeah, it's just badass. Like, okay. I just watched it and was like, wow, women. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... And Brad Pitt. Women and Brad Pitt. <laughs> that's it's fair isn't it you've, yeah <laughs> you've you've balanced things out yeah um yeah if you want to talk about tv for a minute that's fine so go for it so i'm gonna very quickly just say the end of the it is the well end of the effing world yes um, which is very similar in some ways to um submarine it's yeah about, i was thinking that yeah yeah have you watched it no uh so it's, it's <laughs> a young guy who ends up who is convinced that he's a killer basically mm. um as a teenager and the relationship he forms and again it has one of my favorite lines of all time where he's running down the beach there's a montage scene and it says i've just turned 16 and i think i finally know what it is that people mean to each other mm. and it's just just i remember hearing that line and being like oh. um better call Saul, yeah which you, i know you, you haven't got through love that. it is the most masterful writing i've ever mm. And you know writing. Well, I'd like to think I know yeah. writing, but um, it is just incredible. Like, I've never felt such shock and such... Ah, it's right. just... I re- You have to watch it. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I've got to get through, yeah. got to get through um, yeah. Breaking Bad first. Yeah, well, you don't necessarily... You probably Much would enjoy more. Much to my shame. Yeah, but the last thing I was going to say, because mm-hmm. I know we've both been watching this, mm-hmm. is Blue-Eyed Samurai. Yeah. Which is... The funny... It's incredible... And then also the sex scenes in it throw you off so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I guess it is worth mentioning that a Blue Eye Samurai, which is currently on Netflix at the moment in the UK, I don't know if it is in the US, uh, is an, eight, an 18 rated animated 
tale of a samurai. Yeah. And there is swearing, there is gore galore. Yes, well, gosh, yeah. And, um, gosh, yeah. gosh. <laughs> Golly, gosh. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, a fair amount of sex and nudity, which, and really is, sh- which is surprising. Shocking. Like, me, me, we were talking about this before, just saying how... You're watching it, and because it's an animation, your brain is lulled into like, oh, uh, uh, not a child, but your brain, yeah. I think, by association goes to a place. Mm. And then the sex scene comes up, and you're like, what? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and I, it feels like the parents were in the room watching it with you. Yeah. Uh, but it is... It's good. Oh, so I good. Mean, I mean, I, I struggle to... No, I don't struggle. I hesitate to use the term good anymore when I'm talking about films or TV that I like because I think it's very easy to confuse something that you like with something that is good yeah. objectively. Yeah. Um, but I feel like this is. It is like, so good. I think good. it's actually really good. It's getting real critical. Um, well, what I'm trying to say is people are, it's being received well. Yeah. Um, I've seen a few articles saying it's like the best thing that Netflix has put out or 2023, mm. which yeah. I would probably agree with. I think um, something happened in the last episode because I haven't gone through all of it yet. I know you have. Something happened in the last episode which I'm not so happy about, um, oh. which we will have to talk about at work sometime. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it while we're recording. Um, but, yeah, I'm still loving it. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, again, most recommended for Netflix this year. Yeah, mm. good. Right, I think I think that'll do it. Jess, mm. are you happy with your top ten? You're happy with... Um, I am. I am for now. I hope that... Um, I would so love it if you went away and watched one of these and tell me watch Klaus this Christmas. Klaus. Yeah. All right. Do you like animated movies? You like yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm watching I'm watching well, yeah, Blue Eye Samurai. Okay, then yeah, Klaus, watch Klaus. <laughs> okay. I will. Um so I think next time we have you on, hopefully mm. we'll be able to do a proper episode. Um, we talked about maybe doing Ghost mm. with you, which would be really good. But also in the running was Titanic. <laughs> I'd cry every time I talk about yeah. it. Titanic really uh, gets me. Yeah? Yeah, really. Not, not on your list though, is it? No, because it doesn't, it's not on the list, but I do cry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll, we'll see. Um, hopefully you'll be on um, soon though. Um, we are, as I said at the beginning, we are without Andy at the moment. Yeah, things are up in the air with Andy at the moment. So I don't know how often we're going to be able to record with him, but uh, we will and um, we'll try and do things soon. So I think that'll do it. That'll thank do you. it, Pig. That'll do it. <laughs> thank you, Jess. And thank you for listening. Um, we'll see you next time on Don't Forget the Small Stuff.